The effect of the coronavirus pandemic continues to alter our lives. Even as we emerge from the restrictions and precautions, every day feels like an adjustment. I find most people are still distressed, distracted, and somewhat on edge. Given this, I have chosen to preach on a subject that is beneficial and practical, the theme of encouragement, as exemplified for us in the life of Barnabas. The book of Acts tells the story of how the followers of Jesus, through the work of God's Holy Spirit, became a Christian community made up of Jewish and Gentile believers. Among those most instrumental in the church's early development were preachers like Peter and Paul, martyrs like Stephen and James, evangelists like Philip, and missionaries like Silas and Timothy and Titus. But one name stands out as critical and strategic in the advancement and spread of the gospel, though often overlooked. He was not an apostle or direct follower of Jesus. His home was not within Israel's borders. And yet, whenever his name appears in the book of Acts over a span of five chapters, he is revered for his character and actions. As a descendant of Levi's tribe, he was expected to assist priests in the maintenance and function of the temple. This man, whose given name was Joseph, was numbered among the Jewish diaspora from the island of Cyprus. How he became a Christian, we do not know. Yet because of his actions, the apostles renamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. From a sequence of passages in Acts, Luke provides a profile of Barnabas, who he was, what he did, and its significance to the emergence of the early church. Let us give our attention to the reading of this narrative by Peter Schell. In Acts chapter 4, Luke describes how God's grace was upon the early church such that there were no needy persons among them. People who owned property sold it and brought the proceeds from the sale to the apostles for them to use as needed. Luke identifies one such person who exemplified generosity and care for the community in verse 37. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. In Acts chapter 11, Luke reports that some Gentiles in Antioch heard the gospel and came to faith. When news of this reached the Jerusalem church, they sent Barnabas there. Listen how Luke describes the character and actions of this church leader in verses 23 through 26. When Barnabas arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. When the church of Antioch learned of the famine in Judah, they raised money and sent Barnabas and Saul to deliver it to the Jerusalem church. When the two returned, they brought with them John, also called Mark. Luke tells us what happened next in Acts 13, 2 and 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, 
Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed hands on them and sent them off. It was on the first missionary journey to Asia Minor that Luke tells us Saul began to be referred to as Paul, and the listing of the two leaders shifted from Barnabas and Paul to Paul and Barnabas. After returning to Antioch, Paul felt led to make a return visit. Barnabas agreed, but they disagreed about who should accompany them. Here is how Luke describes it in Acts 15, 36-41. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him, because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. And they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Barnabas might have become a follower through the testimony of his cousin, John Mark, or as a result of being in Jerusalem at the time of Pentecost, when a crowd of people came to faith through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and Peter's proclamation of the gospel. Once a part of this new community, he is known for his words and acts of encouragement. One example is after a generic description of how no one was ever in need in the early church because people sold property and brought it to the apostles' feet for the good of others. Luke then identifies Barnabas by name as such a person who sold a field and gave the proceed to the apostles. I have made it my practice as a pastor not to know any details of people's giving at church. The exception is when the church receives a gift as a bequest, which is made known to the session. One such bequest was recently given by Tom O'Leary. Proceeds from the sale of his home was given to the church with two specific designations, one for the church's music ministry, the other for missions. The missions committee chose to invest this gift and use the interest from it to provide scholarships for worthy candidates who are pursuing ministry endeavors as recommended by our mission partners. Next month, the missions committee will choose the recipient of the Tom O'Leary scholarship. In this way, Tom's gift has become a perpetual means of encouragement, encouraging leaders who engage in missions. Giving in this way is an excellent way to encourage those who engage in God's work. When a report reached Jerusalem that Gentiles in Antioch had come to faith in Christ, leaders of the church decided to send someone to check it out, someone they could trust and who could also relate to people outside the borders of Israel. They chose Barnabas. Luke tells us this, he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And how he responded to what he found in the church of Antioch tells us something of his style of leadership. Luke writes, when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, 
Barnabas was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. You'll notice Barnabas didn't mark out his role or authority, but instead recognized and valued what the grace of God had done. How lovely is that? How exciting to have a leader who follows that as the primary focus. He does not attempt to exert control of the situation, but instead authenticates what God is doing in the lives of others and does so with gratitude and encouragement. I've seen the effect of such personal encouragement in a men's group, in a men's small group that I'm a part of. Because our sharing there is held in confidence, I ask permission to relate how Mike Van Dordrecht has been a source of encouragement to his son, Machiel. Some of you will know him better as Peter. Machiel, Machiel has experienced a time of personal challenge and transition lately, and Mike consistently has made himself available to his son as a listening, caring father and friend. As I would hear Mark, Mike tell about their phone contact and his driving over to Sacramento to be with Machiel and grandson Calvin, I found myself longing to be more available to my own grown children as a source of personal encouragement to them. Mike helped me see how it was possible not as a parental figure trying to help solve something, but simply as a caring, supportive person who is ready to listen. As a result, I have been in contact this past year with both of my grown children more than in prior years, offering listening support and encouragement. What Barnabas did next was even more important as an act of encouragement, both for the church in Antioch and the advancement of the gospel throughout the world. Luke tells us he went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. What others feared or mistrusted in Saul as a former enemy of the church, Barnabas saw differently. We don't know how Barnabas knew of Saul, but this act of launching the ministry of the man better known as Paul reveals the true greatness of Barnabas as a leader. He did not solicit the approval of Jerusalem church leaders, nor did he ask if the Antioch believers would accept Saul. Instead, he assessed the situation, determined the need for teaching, and discerned the spirits leading him to recruit Saul. It was not something others would have done, but it was characteristic of this man known for being an encourager. He believed Saul to be a man of great capability, and because Barnabas believed in him, God made use of this man in a big way. A little encouragement can go a long way. Just ask Rajendra, whom most of you know by his Christian name, James Candell. He has been waiting for an interview with the U.S. Immigration Services to review his application for political asylum for over six years. It was at that time that he fled Nepal where he was attacked and beaten by opponents of Christianity. And because he was targeted and his life in danger, 
public officials and Christian leaders recommended he leave the country. Five years ago, James settled here in Santa Rosa and made First Presbyterian Church his church home. He has been active in worship, adult discipleship, and has shared his profile of faith in worship. James and I have made direct appeals to the San Francisco Immigration Office and a few indirect appeals through our state representative, John Thompson's office. We have learned there is a seven-year delay in processing such applications. So James's wait may be nearing an end. We can certainly pray for an appointment and a favorable outcome and for James to be reunited with his wife and two daughters soon. Meanwhile, whenever I ask James how he is doing, he tells me that he appreciates our church and specifically mentions the personal encouragement he receives from Sue Kudair Jackson. She connects with James via email and phone. When he is able to arrange a conversation with his family in Nepal, James shares what Sue has written, and his daughters comment on how lovely she writes and how warm and encouraging her words are. We'll never know what words and acts of encouragement mean to others and how important it is to sustaining them. When the Spirit led the congregation in Antioch to become a missionary base, they set apart Barnabas and Saul for this strategic move of spreading the gospel. Two significant things happened on this journey. Saul becomes better known as Paul, a more relatable name in the Greek-speaking world. And a shift occurred in how Luke lists their names. When they left Antioch, Luke referred to the duo as Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Saul, pardon me. But by their return, the order switched to Paul and Barnabas. Then once back in Antioch and after time passed, Paul suggested that they return to the places they had visited. Barnabas agrees. Yet when Barnabas recommends they take John Mark with them, Paul objects. Apparently, John Mark had been on the first journey, but failed to complete the trip. Paul saw him as a risk, not worth taking. Barnabas saw it differently. Paul thought John Mark unreliable, immature, and a hindrance, whereas Barnabas wanted to do for his cousin what he had done for Paul, give him a second chance and an opportunity for God to use him. When Bar what Barnabas had done for Paul, Paul himself was unwilling to do for John Mark. The dispute between them was strong enough that Paul and Barnabas chose to separate and each took one share of the territories they had previously visited. Barnabas went to Cyprus with John Mark and Paul returned to the Galatian territories with Silas. From this point forward, the focus in, in Acts is exclusively on Paul and his various missionary travels. Barnabas is never mentioned again, but John Mark is by Paul. In two of his letters, he commends John Mark, one to the church in Colossae and the other in his second letter to Timothy. Paul speaks of him as someone who is a valued colleague, a useful man when it comes to doing service. 
No doubt it was the encouragement and leadership of Barnabas that made John Mark worthy of Paul's attention and companionship. God often uses our mistakes and failures to shape us and make something wonderful come from it. The kind of opportunities afforded Paul and John Mark by Barnabas. Perhaps it is now our turn to be a Barnabas for someone else. Are we willing to play the role of encourager in order for someone else to feel supported, gain confidence, and be ready for God to use? The significance of Barnabas' leadership and influence comes to us from those he invested in. Because of his gracious and endearing way of seeing others, he brought out the best in them. Every church needs a Barnabas, or two, or three, or more. If we're not able to be such a person ourselves, perhaps in the spirit of Barnabas, we might offer some form of encouragement to others, such as telling a shopping clerk she or he is doing a good job, giving a card to someone you know who might be down or discouraged, writing a note to someone whom God puts on your heart. Words and acts of encouragement can make a significant difference in the course of a church and the day of a given person. I encourage each of us to find out for ourselves. Amen.